Homestyle Green, episode 269, The Style of Sustainability. G'day, welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. Bert Sarkinen has built a successful timber framing company around a solid philosophy grounded in the style and craftsmanship of a unique and timeless form of building. Bert first appeared on the Homestyle Green podcast back in episode 176 and now a couple of years on. Arrow Timber Framing has expanded into a larger facility and Bert has recently released the second edition of his book, The Art of Hybrid Timber. I caught up with Bert recently after he sent me a digital copy of his book and we discussed the, uh, the, the longevity of doing things well. In the first episode uh, back in 176 when I had Bert on the show, we talked about being the enemy of ugly and that philosophy remains true today. And uh, we, one, among the things that we talked about sustainability was the fact that if you design with beauty and with a timeless aesthetic, then a building is much more likely to hang around, which makes it more sustainable. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Uh, it was great to catch up with Bert again and, and uh, kind of just um, listen to some of his philosophy, not just about timber framing, but around the, the process of building in general. So uh, here he is, uh, Bert Sarkinen of Arrow Timber Framing. Hey, well, thank you, Bert, for reaching out and uh, and reconnecting. It's it's great to chat to you again. It's uh, it was I think it was October 2018 when we we spoke last time um, on episode 100, 176 uh, when. We talked about uh, the enemy of the enemies of ugly, which mm-hmm. you've uh, which you've continued to pursue. Um, what's been going on for you in the last uh, last little while, last couple of years? Been an interesting couple of years for everyone. But what's been going on for uh, Arrow Timber Framing? Well, speaking to ugly, it's harder to spot with all these masks around. Har har. <laughs> <laughs> no, that uh, the the pandemic and everything has been been kind of scary at first and it turned into an irritation and but you understand that where the government's at and I would hate to be making those decisions if I was in that position that's been something that's affected all of us but as a team here with us when that pandemic first hit we were able to keep working because we're tied into the forestry and we just made kind of a word of mouth deal that we were going to limit our circles, and that way we could keep coming to work. So we just didn't socialize a lot within, and just so we kept our own little bunch together, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And we were able to work through the pandemic, which is a blessing to for all of us and our families. Yeah, absolutely. And just remind us um, of the how how. Arrow Timber Framing is different from a, a general building company. What, what's your point of difference? Sometimes we get confused with log cabins. So it's very rustic. It's with a lot of wood. But it's not log cabins. It's how they used to build when they didn't have nails. So it's the posts and beam and the mortise and tenon, the pegs. And we're really focused on 
using that old art, if you will, with modern day building style to personalize and beautify structures, buildings, dwellings, homes, etc. Yeah. I, uh, like, a, I, like a big heavy timber truss, if you can picture that, in a great room. Well, I can picture that because uh, I've seen some of the images of uh, that on both on your website, but also on your the latest uh, edition of your book, which has got some fantastic imagery. And uh, but speaking of nails, uh, interesting little anecdote in the book there about how nails, the presence of nails, used to be seen as a sign of of wealth. They were. Mm-hmm. They were quite rare, and uh, you know, if you could afford to have metal fixings, that was that was something pretty significant, right? So, uh, without that, you'd be just using uh, well-crafted joints and wooden pegs. Mm-hmm. And and what I what we talked about last time, I, I recall a lot of what you do still embraces that that craft but infuses that into modern technology uh, to create something that is fitting for today but with a an aesthetic appeal of uh, well of that's timeless really mm-hmm. yep um, so let's let's talk about the book why why the need for a an updated edition well like anything that any anything creative that gets put out there, a lot hits the editing floor, and then as time goes on, awareness grows through viewers or readers' comments, mm-hmm. as well as your own perceptions and awareness. And it's the two biggest change, three changes. There's a chapter on joinery. It's rudimentary. It's not designed to be a how-to, but just to give people an overall feel for some of the joinery and how it works. And then the history on timber framing itself is more robust, the first chapter. It really starts on how it started way back two, 3,000 years ago, how it evolved through time to become hybrid timber framing today. And then the mm-hmm. third thing is just we just realized that pictures do speak a thousand words, so we added more pictures and bigger pictures, made them bigger. One of the things you go through is the um, the different styles. You've, you've um, specified seven um, main styles. Can mm-hmm. you talk us through those? Sure. So yeah, I mentioned log cabin earlier. Lots of times when people, when we initially meet people, we'll ask them the question. In fact, we'll just pretend you're a prospect and, you're sitting in a brainstorm. And so I'd ask you, Matthew, so Matthew, when you think about the overall idea or feel that you're trying to accomplish building your home, and you think from everything from A to Z, not just the timbers, and if 10 is very rustic, like a log cabin, and one is like a modern hospital, clean, lots of glass, where where do your tastes fall? Right. Was that what number? If you had to put a number to that, what would you be? I'd probably be. Uh, I'd probably be closer to the 
the rustic end of the scale, somewhere in the middle, okay. but probably slightly more. So yeah, seven point five de- eight. Definitely not into a, into the glass box. Okay, all right. So just off of that information alone, of course, there's a lot of conversation in the brainstorms, and when we help people figure out really what kind of look and feel or what kind of style is going to fit and just bring delight for years and years to come. If I was just basing it off of the information you've given me, I would definitely not pick a modern style. It could be traditional, but not so much. Rustic is definitely one of them. Craftsman could be a seven or an eight. We've had a lot of craftsmen. Traditional, maybe. And let's see, I've got the book here. And Coastal, what's, where's the inspiration from that, for that? Coastal is, oh, so back to, the, so your style, then you might be Euro because there's some, Euro can, you know, that, that was back in the day when all they were doing was building with wood. So that could easily fall into a very elegant rustic style as well. But okay, so to Coastal, Coastal is, it's just a very eclectic category. Yeah. Uh, because the styles, like when you go to the beach, you just see all kinds of different styles thrown together because it draws people from many walks of life. So it's, it's very eclectic. In general, there's something to do with nautical themes. A lot of times we'll shape the timbers to look like the ribs of a boat. Mm-hmm. And another challenge with the coastal thing is we a lot of times we use cedar and may, just let it gray out. That's a common thing yeah. around the ocean because you're always fighting that salt water. Yeah. So you just embrace it and let it gray. And you see that with the cedar shakes. And it's a, ni- a nice look. Uh, Coastal is one of those that it's probably the least that we've done. But when but it, it, we do, do do it. So it, it kind of ends up being a little bit of a catch-all for anything that's on the beach it could be a little Mm -hmm. cottage it could be something more grand on the back of the book we've got a outdoor living pavilion see it here that's that's impressive uh i've seen um a little bit that features on a couple of videos i think as well um it's it's a very um it almost looks over engineered yes it's very strong Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in its presence. Yep, and this this was designed to not have to have sheathing on the roof, so no. So there was lateral bracing in the framing, and then the shingles were also cedar, and visible from the bottom. So yep. they're going to all gray out too. So it's going to it it looked like you're looking at the ceiling of an old barn or the roof of an old barn. Yeah. Yeah, but so just all grayed out and view of the ocean and yeah. salty ocean air and really cool. Looks amazing. Um, and of course, you, another thing that you talk or demonstrate a lot, and I guess is part of your work, is retrofitting or adding mm-hmm. components of traditional timber framing to existing buildings to give them a very different aesthetic. It's amazing mm-hmm. how much uh, a difference, particularly the entrance, can make to a building. And and there's a lot of grandeur. Uh, the the exposed beams in a in a 
interior looks very grand, but mm -hmm. it can also, as you've demonstrated with some of those before and after images, it can create that sense of grandeur mm -hmm. uh, to the to the entrance or the, to mm -hmm. to the um, you know, sort of welcoming part of the building. Yeah, that's very popular. One of the complaints of, of people walking through the door many times is that we really just love our home. We love this. We love that. But the entry is so boring or so ugly <laughs> yeah. or so yeah. – and Well, you don't even know where it is. Some some modern houses are like looking right? at it. It's like, well, yeah, the door? it's not intuitive. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. – so creating that hierarchy of, ah, just where you intuitively know this is where it is, and it's like somebody holding their arms open to give you a big hug. I mean, it yeah. draws you in. Yeah. And by far, if you, are, if you are looking, well, in fact, one of the exercises in the book is building a decision compass. And what that, and what that means is that you take everything you're trying to accomplish and you distill what you're trying to accomplish down to – four to seven descriptive words. Sometimes people have ROI or return on investment within that description. They want to make sure that everything they do will bring them a return on their investment. And if that is one of your descriptive terms for your decision compass, for all the decisions you're going to make through the building process, the biggest return by far is the curb appeal, the entry, just like you're talking, that makeover, whether it's a new plan and a blueprint or a remodel, a retrofit, like you're saying, by far, pound for pound, the biggest bang for your buck is right there. Mm. If return on investment is a big one. I'm glad you brought up the decision compass. There are large parts of your book that I feel read more like a, almost like a, a self-help book or a personal development book rather than a, um, a catalog of, of beautiful houses. Is that by design? Where's that, where's that come from? So you're very intuitive, Matthew. You did. I've heard that before, and, and re retrospectively looking at it, I realize that so many people, as they're going through this, the journey, the process can become so painful if they're not aware of who they are and what they want and what they're trying to accomplish. And there's so many decisions and so many bright, shiny objects out there that it can get messy in a hurry. And that's where this decision compass concept came in. And in fact, we use that even if people don't give us one themselves. As we design the timbers to fit where they're trying to go, we end up backing up and saying, what are Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Smith trying to accomplish here? And so we try, well, they're trying to they want something that is kind of farmhouse, a little bit old, but maybe a little rustic or ranch, something like this. So we'll work with that to try to get our own decision compass for our own use. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a natural step to extend that out to the big building process and whole and offer that to to people in the book and scattered throughout the book are hints and little outtakes or inspirations of happiness mm -hmm. quotes and uh and ideas which 
it takes, um, to be honest, it takes a little bit of getting used to when you're kind of reading what I thought was going to be and is a technical guide and, and a reference and some inspiration. But it's, it's like, hmm, it really kind of makes you pause and think, what am I? What am I looking for? Not just in my house, but how is that a reflection of of me and and my life and and I guess a life together as well? Because a home is more than just a place for one person. Usually, it mm-hmm. does a lot more than that. So, it's it could be a real journey for someone uh, and and a family and a um, and a long lasting one as well. You know, you talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, timelessness from an aesthetic point of view but mm-hmm. some of the, your structures they're gonna they're gonna be around for a while they're, they're not mm-hmm. they're not uh, sort of a I mean we have a, a requirement for for buildings here to last the structure to be able to last 50 years mm-hmm. I get the feeling that some of your buildings are going to be around for a lot longer than that mm-hmm. yep that's the nature of of timber framing, the mentality of people who are using timber framing to build, they're generally looking to pass their home on to family. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, often when we see, when I see photos of larger homes and um, emphasizing that, that grandeur and, and the scale, it doesn't always translate to um, being sustainable or um, conscious of other environmental factors just simply because mm-hmm. of the size and, and sort of the egotistical nature. Yep. What's your take on the sustainability of, of timber frame building and the way you work as well as a, as a company? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a, that can go philosophical in a hurry. We could even look at just our choices and what we wear and what we drive we could all drive the same model that is absolutely 100% the most effective way to transport bodies down the road. But so here's, here's kind of my stance on what we do and why it does align with green building and timber framing, why it aligns with green building. The first is wood is renewable and it's also a huge carbon sink. There's a book out there called The New Carbon Architecture, and it's kind of a heavy read. It's Some people have taken excerpts from experts in many different fields, and they've strong-armed them to bring their expertise down to words and ideas that people on the street can understand, one of which is that of the three main building materials that are used around the world we've got wood concrete and steel concrete and steel have a very high cost to bring to an actual building and then the building themselves take a lot of resources to heat and cool wood has very low cost to bring to a finished product and as well as it's not thermal bridging as much as say concrete and steel to use the building Mm-hmm. And the big concept now, and, and you'll see this with cross-laminated timbers, there's been a lot of experimenting to build tall skyscrapers. They're, they're not going many stories. I think they're up to seven levels with cross-laminated timbers. And so it's a little bit of like uh, if you 
think about prefab concrete in building apartments with that, except for these are cross-laminated timbers. And the big selling point for green building there is that it's a carbon sink. That carbon will not be released in the atmosphere for many years. So it helps out that way, as well as being renewable. And so that's how, that's yeah. one way that timbers, timber framing, putting big chunks of wood in homes, buildings, etc., it's going to be a big carbon sink. And there's a couple other points to that, but it looked like you had something to say. Well, just think. Well, there are there's a few there are a few things. What one other thing is um, the carbon sink card is often played, um, and it makes a lot of sense. But it does rely on that building staying there and the wood being preserved as timber. Because if you have a, a shorter use of wood, and mm-hmm. then it and then it decays and it rots on the ground, then mm-hmm. that it's being the carbon dioxide is being released again. So. Uh, it, it's not simply a matter of, of just using wood to build something that's not going to be there. It has to be intention, intentionally built to last um, for a period of time. Exactly. And that is ex- the next two points that I have for how we, with our timber framing, how we align with green building are exactly that. The first one is practical planning. and The second one is aesthetic planning. Both of which, would done well, will further the cause for it to be there a long time. If it's really ugly, it's likely to be torn down and rebuilt, right? Yep. Yeah. Or if it doesn't fit a personality and it doesn't fit the theme of, say, a, a family and their values, somebody's going to remodel sooner rather than later, which is going to burn a lot of resources. But if you can nail what are the values of a family and what makes them tick and what's going to really just resound and resonate for years, then it's going to be there for a long time and and do exactly what you're saying, be a carbon sink for a long time. And the practical side of things, and this is something that is not elegant, it's not like romantic, it's not exciting. It's just the ABCs of good building, but it is perhaps one of the most important things we can do with green building. And that is, flashing, making sure roofs are good, keeping water out. Water is probably the number one enemy for why a building doesn't last. Yeah. And so just the practical aspects of of maintenance things, so big overhangs, you know, the, all the water problems, the uh, insulation and the how how moisture moves through the building, whether it's on the outside or inside, and things like that. They're not they're not a new inline water heater that uses solar or anything, you know, fun and exciting like that. But it's it's definitely something that we don't want to forget about. Is is flashing trickier for the way you work because you often have um, structures that don't have straight lines. I can't say – I don't know if I'd say it's trickier. I mean, the, it's just a matter of paying attention. Yeah. And, and yeah. flashing, right, to where – and, and you know, what, making sure that the water doesn't seep in somehow. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I guess with irregular shapes and if we're we – sometimes we'll do the timber framing with logs and a post and frame aspect and uh, – 
it can get a little bit trickier. The biggest thing we see is when people want the aesthetics of a timber protruding from, say, a gable end overhang, and the timber's out in the weather, we'll generally we'll try to talk people into keeping that back underneath the overhang and just cost right. the aesthetics a little bit because we know that there's a chance they won't put a metal cap on that. Yeah. Yeah. A, a high chance. And so, and, and uh, you know, that's a, uh, and then even if they do put a cap on it, it's still not as good as just being under the entire roof. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when, when we get the chance, we kind of talk that way. With yeah. clients. The other thing about um, using timber, so carbon is one thing, but then you've got the timber um, selection and the impacts of that on forestry, biodiversity, um, uh, and, and just the, the whole ecosystem of where that's coming from. So you mentioned mm -hmm. a couple of species there already. How does how do you choose the the species of timber that you use, and what you, what what are you thinking about when you when you make those decisions? For for us, we have a network of local loggers that know when they hit these big trees. So we're talking like have a forty foot long dug fir. We're looking for thirty inches and bigger on the top. So that that can be. 40, 40, we can go up to four foot four as far as our mill. But so we're really looking for the bigger trees. So they're ready to be harvested. Um, and they know we want the high quality. And generally, we do use dug for some cedar and we use some hemlock and some sequoia, some redwood. But generally, dug for is a really, if, you're, if you were to take the characteristics of dug for, as far as strength, weight, shrinkage, twisting, all these different aspects, it scores really high on most categories. And even on the categories where it's weak, it's only it's still in the middle. So it's, uh, it's really a popular wood to use, and especially when it grows right here. Sometimes we'll end up using reclaimed, and that's a win for for green building as well. Most people think that if you use reclaimed, you're going to save some money because it's used. Right. And But there's the human labor piece that's yeah. not calculated in. You've got to tear it down. You've got to pull the nails out. You've got yeah. to warehouse it. Then you have to saw it up. And then there's, if somebody has a 10 by 10 and I want to say an 8 by 10, two inches of that is waste. Yeah, right. They can't really sell. So all that adds to the cost of the board foot being substantially higher. Yeah. 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 I think that reclaim something that is for some styles and for people who have the resources, money to spend on it. It's really, really fun to work with. I think it's a good point though, that often um, the there's, there's an extra cost there in labor and mm -hmm. um, just the, the extra work required. Um and I guess you got to, you know, you're going to be super careful about what you put through machinery because um, mm -hmm. you don't know what, what other bits of metal. And, and then it takes <laughs> a warehouse. It yeah. takes a warehouse inventory system to store it till it's used. Yeah. A 
So the Douglas fir and and some of the other common timber are they generally coming out of um, managed uh, forests? Like are they grown specifically for timber, or or are these uh, native forests? Sometimes they're from managed forests where they've got the certified stamp of approval. Sometimes it'll be just some farmer or resident who has had 80 acres for years. They, they thin some of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they log some of it. It's really a mixed bag. Yeah. yeah. Staying on the, the sustainability themes, you mentioned um, obviously the, the, the carbon sink benefits. I really like the, that idea of um, aesthetics as well and the fact that if you make something that's attractive, it's that's likely to be more sustainable because it's likely to stay there for longer. And we see that with heritage. You know, people um, want to often keep older buildings and I think when they, when you really push people on why they value heritage, whatever that means mm-hmm. in, that, in that area, it's probably about the beauty of the building, of the style of the building, mm-hmm. and that. And when you dig further, I think that's about the the design, but it's often also about the the work that's gone into that and the craft, and and mm-hmm. that's where the beauty comes from. So, I think that's a really good point when designers are thinking about how to make a building sustainable. You know, we talk about the energy efficiency and the building enclosure and insulation and and all that technical stuff. Um, but if it's if someone's going to look at it in ten years or all this and say that's really ugly, uh, then that's not sustainable. So that's I think that's a really good point. Are there any other aspects of of sustainability that are um, that are particularly relevant to timber framing? Well, you know, we do get a chance from time to time to collaborate with builders that are really on the cutting edge of green building. And one project in particular, it was really unique. This is a, as I mentioned, they won an award in 2021, second place. And they had reclaimed boards from rodeos in Wyoming. Somehow they treated with bleach and some ammonia and got the smell out of them, built stuff out of that. They just really a eclectic look and the timber frame we did for these people was inside of a an area with 20 foot ceilings big space probably 1200 square foot of dining living kitchen and it was really a unique unique project it, it was a lot of fun to work with and then of course I learned a lot about green building on this too they had solar panels they had geothermal. They built a so it's a Tesla battery pack or battery the battery wall, except mm-hmm. for they put it in a Volkswagen Bug bus that they could then drive down the road awesome. when they wanted to. So then they so it doubled, and I don't know how much of that won them the rewards. I do know they had <laughs> also they reclaimed all these doors. They found doors from old salvage yards. And each room was designed around the door. So you would have an old door from whatever, and the the theme in that room would be a little different. 
and they they kind of held it together with it. It was it was really a fun project. You need to see all the solar and the things they did with it. They actually sell power back to the power company. Nice. Um, so it's fun to be part of that, and and uh, as far as and as far as other things we do that aside from the mentality like we talked about where you're just using your brain to save energy, save resources, build for the long term, all of that. I don't know that I can add more to how we align with green building. Well, the other thing that I recall from our um, chat uh, a few years ago was about the people. Um, mm-hmm. And I was I remember looking through some photos and, and looking at some videos of the way you work and it just really struck me that the fact that you've got some of the latest technology in, in design um, mm-hmm. but you've also got some people who kind of remind me of my dad and him teaching me how to use a chisel and working with wood Um with care and attention to detail mm-hmm. and skill as mm-hmm. as craftspeople, and that's something that I, I still remember that the, the the pride and the value that you place on the people that are involved in in creating these unique homes, um, mm-hmm. but not doing it in a in a um, such an old fashioned way that it's it's not relevant, you know. Combining that with the modern technology and, and, and modern design, um, Tesla batteries, for example, mm-hmm. I think is is something that you've really managed to achieve uh, very well. Yeah, I think it. the whole thrust of that kind of ties back to those happiness is boxes you referred to in the book. Yeah. There's, you know, we're so many times we get frustrated and we don't know what we're doing in life. And, and so one of the things that we do in our reviews in the company is we ask ourselves these five questions that, am I doing what I love? Am I doing it with people I love? Am I making a difference? Am I being compensated fairly? And do I have time for other passions? And we asked the employee to rate themselves on that. And anything beneath a seven is cause for concern. And we talk about it. But if you step back and think about those five things, if those are by and large satisfactory in your life, you're going to be have a pretty meaningful, fulfilled life. Yeah. And, you know, that's all we're doing as a company is we are winning means that we're staying around and we can – provide joy for people tomorrow and for ourselves and life doesn't get much deeper than that we think there's more to it and we think we have to accomplish big things and this and that and the other thing and not that goals shouldn't be there but i have to continually remind myself that enjoy the journey enjoy today enjoy right now and that kind of ties into those happiness is boxes yeah nice and so then when we can do that for our people hey that's winning right Absolutely, yeah. Where can people find your uh, second edition of the book? 
that could be on our website if they choose to buy from there. We'll uh, I'll sign it for what it's worth. Get my John Henry on there. There's also Amazon. And you're doing this as a physical book. Uh, physical book. It's available on Kindle as well. Right. Um, but it does, fact, lend, get, it does lend itself to, to being physical because of the, the scale of, of what you're portraying with right. the, the images. Mm-hmm. And there's some, some bigger pictures that are just better quality in the physical. In fact, I'm going to have Lucas reach out to you and get your physical mailing address and we'll get you a second edition. Matt. Awesome. That'd be great. We can, uh, we can, um, Put that out, uh, and I do encourage people to have a look. You've also got a bunch of um, updated content on on website and um, around uh, around social media. You got some great videos as well, so people can can definitely um, mm-hmm. can check those out. Um, hey, well, great to catch up again, Bert. Really appreciate your time and uh, and your inspiration, and and great to see that um, things are going well. I really like those. Uh, those values that you talk about and mm-hmm. and what it means for you to to be winning, mm-hmm. and I think that can provide some excellent inspiration for others as well to think about what what makes them happy and 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 what they do, uh, which is often leads to doing things more sustainably for them and and mm-hmm. the people they work with. Exactly. Thanks for your questions, Matt. There was great insight, and uh, it's given me a little lift. Appreciate it. All right. Well, you take care, and uh, we'll, we'll have to do this again in another couple of years. Awesome. All right. Okay. Stay safe. And that was Bert Sarkinen of Arrow Timber Framing. Uh, great to catch up with Bert again, and I really do like some of the philosophies that are sprinkled out through his uh, his book. Uh, you can I'll put some links to in the show notes where you can find a copy of that, uh, The Art of Hybrid Timber Framing. I really like the fact that it's more than just a guide on seven different styles of of timber framing, but it really encourages the reader to think about what's important, uh, what's important in life, what makes you happy, and how the process of building can enhance that. Uh, It's it's true, and it's a really nice philosophy, and it makes the the book a, a really... Um, interesting read, as well as learning lots about the history of of building and and how and thinking about how exposed beams and uh, and just the use of timber in general can be um, celebrated in in a construction, not hidden away inside the walls, but actually exposed and and uh, form part of the style. And that style of sustainability is really important as well. I, I think you know, sustainability, hopefully, is going to stay in style for a long time. But also, by doing building in a stylish way, that's a great way of making buildings more sustainable because they're more likely to be um, valued by people and, and not torn down uh, earlier than they need to be. So that concept of beauty, of designing for aesthetics, does play a role in overall sustainability and uh, keeping buildings around for a lot longer because the best buildings are the ones that we don't have to keep rebuilding. 
Um, love to get your thoughts, comments, feedback on that. You can email me, Matthew, at homestylegreen.com. And thank you to our Patreons as well. Got a, a few of those. Really appreciate your contribution. And if you do want to support the show, um, keep it live and uh, up and running. Um, we've got a couple of sponsors out there, but uh, really appreciate any any support that you can give. Uh, it's a bit of a labor of love. There's a Patreon button over on the homepage. So if you did enjoy this, um, please let people know about it. You can leave a rating review, Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from and uh, click on that patreon button and uh, if you want to shout me a cup of coffee that'd be much appreciated that's it for this week Uh, thank you very much for listening in go make a better place to live